Hey guys, just a quick one before today's episode. I wanted to let you know about 8-Week Elite Physique that is launching next week. So myself and the team have designed an 8-Week program that will get you as lean as possible whilst maintaining muscle mass here over the next couple of months. We have designed it for those people who have perhaps always struggled to get the physique they want when dieting. You will have the opportunity to work directly with a coach. We'll be provided with a program, meal plan. We'll get access to a weekly check-in and a private Facebook group. Now, in this program itself, you have the opportunity to win some prizes for the first, second and third best transformations. The first one will win a free photo shoot with Mr. TT Image and £250 cash. The second best transformation will win four weeks free online coaching and £100 cash. And the third best transformation will win four weeks free online coaching. So we are going to be selling a limited number of spaces on this program itself. It will be launched as of next week. However, if you want to pre-register today, you can be the first to find out about the early bird price, which will be £40 less than the standard price. So to do that, all you need to do is head over to vwphysique.com, click the services button, and then follow the link to 8 Week Elite Physique. Read the page, go to the bottom of it, hit, you know, hit the name and email at the bottom, hit submit. After that, you guys will get an email two days prior to the actual launch going on the website. So I hope that you check it out. If you have any questions, please feel free to drop me a DM and enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you might be thinking that I've got Chris Hemingworth on today's podcast, but unfortunately I don't. It's a poor, poor version, <laughs> poor man's version, Dundee's very own version. Ali Burge, how are you doing, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too shabby. Just a bit shite that the gym's opened, and uh, I had, well, you had to deload, and then I've had to deload the week after, but... Anyway, the listeners are probably wondering, uh, they haven't heard from you for a wee while, so uh, do you want to kind of just give people a summary on how, I mean, how was lockdown for you, business, what did you do, your physique, your clients, everything else in between, mate? So lockdown, obviously from the get-go, it wasn't great because we've never experienced anything like that, but I'll go into my clients first because that's obviously the main thing. Um, across the board, it was pretty productive. Um the, the, like a lot of clients still did shoots a lot of dieting phases the area that was difficult was anyone that was in like the height of an off season because yeah. you can't replicate load no matter how hard you try with a band and a dumbbell so that became a little bit um well not annoying but it just meant that a lot of people's goals had to be shifted so interesting but thank god it's over and i hope we never go back in a lockdown again um for me personally I was at the height of a gaining phase when lockdown happened, and then I started to recomp. I then got relatively lean, so obviously I did a photo shoot uh, a month ago. I'll put the photos up soon, but yeah, I got relatively lean. I'd say I was still probably a couple of kilos away from stage lean, but considering that was all done trained in a garden with very limited equipment, it's pretty nuts to see. Um, Yeah. And I'd done that also training with a lat injury the whole time. So it's pretty productive. What I would say about lockdown, and I've said this like on a few um, different stories and stuff, but it does go to show you that, yes, training in the gym is cool and we can do all these technical stuff, but at the end of the day, it's your adherence to the basics that get you in shape. And yeah. I think, yes, I don't want lockdown to happen again, but it does show you that just adhering to the plan works. So... And so, yeah, it's been a cool scenario. Obviously, we work together. Business has been fluctuating, but yeah. we have been productive. I think from a from a brand perspective, we could not be in a better position, um, really. Yeah, so, and I think you're absolutely right. If, for those of you that don't follow Ali, I'm sure that you all do. And that's probably the best Ali's ever looked. And and that was, I, I prepped him a couple of years in a row the first year, probably uh, overspilled or spilled you over for your photo shoot and then we probably did the same for a couple of shows and then before we nailed it but you look better this year than you did in any show so again the fact you've done that from like a tent in, <laughs> in, in someone's back garden uh, was pretty crazy but I think 
for the listeners that don't know, Ali's probably a humble guy. When you started lockdown, um, you pretty much doubled your online client base from the start of lockdown to, to now, right? Yeah, so when I started lockdown, I was half one-to-one coach and half online with the aim to be fully online by the end of the year. Um, but now I am I am basically an online coach. I do a couple of sessions with clients I've worked with for years um, that I just get on well with, so I still do that. But yeah, my uh, client base has doubled. Um, and that's, again, I said it's doing the basics, but it's not through me just magically doing that. It's from a lot of productivity, um, speaking to a lot of people, producing content that hopefully people take value in. So I think... Vaughn's the same as me and like we are very driven people but when shit happens you've just got to deal with it and try and just focus on still moving in the right direction so it's been good um, all round yeah I think that it probably levelled up everybody's programming trying to actually um, recreate some sort of you know banded foam roller hack squat and the thing is like there'll be some people listening like in England and across the world that are like what are you guys on about? But it's the Scottish listeners and um, the fact this is a Scottish podcast that the gyms have only been open pretty much now a week and a half. Um, but I think it, it leveled up everything that we done because we, we changed some of the systems that we do, our check-ins and whatnot, and started doing all the bloody home exercise tutorials, which, to be fair, they're, they're there now in case, fingers crossed it doesn't, something like this happens again. Um, but anyway... I don't know if I've seen as well. I've had a few clients that have went back to the gyms and they might have been guilty of pushing their logbook a little bit too high and now they're like, oh, I'm connecting with movements a lot better. So yeah. there's some positives. 100%. And I think that now is more better time than any to, to kind of delve deep and get into today's episode um, on the topic of pretty much first time competitor mistakes uh, and then how to or you know what not to do and what to do going into 2021 um, we will only have had a couple people step on stage by the end of this year however uh, we have yourself me and Clara have the team have a lot of people looking to compete in 2021 but I feel that there's probably something some things that we've done ourselves as competitors wrong and probably at the same time done wrong with previous clients or clients that are still on board and uh, we've learned from their mistakes so if you were to give your two cents on uh, let's just things you'll see first time competitors do if there was a list and by all means list them off but then we'll kind of go back and forth on them um, what do you think they would be and let's let's maybe start off with just start off with females first and then we'll go into guys okay so females um one thing i definitely see from the get-go with people diet and especially for the first time is they go every single tool in the toolbox in right at the start. So they might go from calories being, let's just say, 1,500 on average, and they drop right down to 1,100. They're doing 200 minutes of cardio a week, and their steps are really high. Now, obviously, that's going to bring them uh, your body weight, but it's just not productive, and I do see that happen a lot where people start really aggressively, and you've just got nowhere to push. Yeah, you're right. But I think for me, like mostly, if I was to think back to when I was first, I wouldn't call myself at the time a prep coach, it was probably I would prep people that didn't have enough tissue and yeah. would just say, right, go ahead. And by the time they got to the end, um, and my main example is thinking of when you first prepped Chloe for the Scottish PCA where she she done well, I prepped Tony, and when I look back at Tony, she was just like over dieted. She lost muscle mass. She looked stringy, and that was simply because at the time, she just didn't have enough tissue. Um, so, if there is someone out there who is maybe wrapped into this whole Insta, okay, I'm following so and so Instagram. They compete. I've got to compete. You know, how, where should they start first? Where should what should they assess in your opinion? So I think like exactly what you've just hit the nail on the head with there is so. People probably look on our Instagram and think we look relatively big. Believe me, we are not. Like, we're in okay shape. But I still don't have enough muscle to compete at the level I would want to. So I think what happens at the start is, and it can be an awkward conversation for people because they don't want to hear you don't have enough tissue. But at the start, if you don't have enough muscle, dieting, you'll get lean, but 
you're not going to look the way that in your head you visualize because you're looking at people on Instagram. So I would say there's always got to be a, should I go into a gaining phase or do I have enough tissue to compete next year? That would be the first thing I would say. The other thing would be, have you actually ever attempted some form of dieting phase? So if you've not, I would probably suggest that you should try that. It's not as simple as just literally, oh, well, I've got a plan, so I'm going to be able to stick to it. So those would be two big ones for me. Um, Also making sure that you actually understand the process and you understand how long it takes, what the actual, like how prep looks, and you're not going in blind. Because people can be a bit blindsided by it, like, oh, my God, I've got to do that much cardio. I've not got enough time. Yeah, and ultimately, I think it takes it takes a good coach to tell someone you've not got enough tissue to compete yet. Whereas years ago, I probably wouldn't even said that to someone. I'd be like, "Oh no, I can't say that. I can't can't offend them." But it's as you said. How often will someone say, "Come to you," say, "Oh, I've been told by so and so I could compete and I could could do well," and you instantly go, "Well, I mean, I think that personally, you you would do even bet even better with." X amount of time off, and I guess it's how it's how you how, it's how you word it. Unfortunately, you are quite an abrupt guy, and anyone that follows you will know that I'll be a little bit more uh, sensitive about the subject, whereas you might just be a little more to the point. Would you agree? I, yeah, I think I'm honest purely because if I'm getting coached, I like someone to be honest. Like I pay Cal, I don't want Cal to be nice to me. I just want him to tell me what's going on and. Like, from a perspective of that, so I've got two clients. So my client, Magda, who you will have seen on my Instagram, who looks great, and she would have done very well on stage. When she came to me last year, the coach she was working with had her on minimal calories. She was training reps in reserve, 30-rep crap, and we spent a year almost building her calories up. She was on, like, 3,300 calories, right, for a small female, but... If we didn't do that, she looked amazing for a shoot. But if we didn't do that, she wouldn't have looked amazing for a shoot. And you have to get, as a first-time competitor, you have to be okay with the fact that you might want to compete in six months, but you have to be okay with the fact that it might take you two years to get where you want to. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that people often get enamoured by Instagram without really seeing, like, there might be some people that they'll see Magda's photos, and then just go, right, I want to compete without actually seeing the fact that you guys spent a year doing that. And that's just one example of the other, you know, of the bikini girls that you work with or I work with. Um, but if we were to take the scenario where someone where someone is lean enough, and or sorry, someone does have enough tissue, um, and that's not the mistake, what, what could you, you know, think of in your brain? And I'll add my two cents on what mistakes do you see those? Because that's a diff- whole different kettle of fish. What do you see those competitors' mistakes make? So I personally think, this is just anecdotal, but what I do see with people who are, have decent muscle mass, one would be they think they can get stage lean faster than they can. I see that a lot. Or like when, when I'm speaking to people in a consultation, they might say, right, 12 weeks, and I'm like, let's talk 16 to 20. Yeah. Uh, so give yourself enough time. The reason being is, you're not going to get to that point where you've got to panic. Um, that would be a big one. What I think also happens a lot, and this is with male and females, for some reason, as they get leaner and they get lighter, everything, training starts to adapt and change in some weird way. People change their programming. Like, and this still happens, and I don't understand why. You've What you've done to get you in shape keeps you in shape. Don't be going into some crazy like supersets every rep movement's 20 to 25 reps because you're trying to burn more calories, things like that. Um, I think as well with people with muscle, this is for everyone, but bodybuilding is a performance sport, not a dieting sport. We are trying to, and I stole that, by the way, from Cuba, but you're trying to, your sessions have to be a priority, not just how much output you can do. And that, that for me, is a big one because I've done it before and over-dieted or end up in a, like not looking that great. Yeah. I I think that to, to kind of go back on one of the other points you said, it kind of goes inside of if you've never done anything like it before and then you start a prep having never done even a small recomp or whatnot, 
you just don't realise how shit that you do feel. And a lot of perhaps the first timers who have enough tissue, they'll get to perhaps that eight week out marker where at that point, you know, things things are pretty ramped up. Like you, you need to be in a good position eight weeks out, right? Um, and their training intensity might slip. And how, how I, I put it in an article, um, or I am putting an article this week, um, is that their session slips so they, they stop working as hard because they feel shit. Calorie expenditure drops down, but also they're not providing the, the muscle with enough stimulus for it to hang around. So my point to add to that would be start risking like losing a bit more muscle mass than they naturally would. Because we know, we know that'll happen, but it's something that you and me fucking love training, jacked up our eyeballs and want to be massive and we'll love that. But perhaps often that side of things, especially maybe the bikini girl side of things, they don't realise how hard they'll need to continue to train whilst on very, very little food. Because, I mean, here, what would be a good scenario would be, tell. remember when you were prepping with Joe? And yeah. you you told me you, you had a bowl of oats and after it, you like you, just, you were greeting because you were so hungry, and your next meal wasn't wasn't for much, for hours. Is that about right? Yeah. So the first time I prepped, everyone can find a photo of me looking like this. But I personally think I should not have competed. But Joe's a very good coach, and my goal was to compete, so I wasn't listening to him in that scenario. But I didn't have enough muscle. I was on very low calories. It was the first time I'd ever dieted, and you hit this weird feeling where. Just walking around, you feel like everything, you're dragging your feet, it's hard. Picking up a pen's hard. Okay. And I remember he gave me a little bit more food and I was eating a bowl of porridge or oats and I actually started crying. But it's because your emotions, when you get very lean, you just turn into a different beast. And I didn't know how, now, when I do it, the blinkers are on. But then I didn't know how to control it. And people don't really understand what it's like to get that lean if you've not done it before it's very difficult especially if you aren't as well not lucky but we work in an industry where people understand it if you're someone who works a desk job it's very very difficult yeah i think what what you kind of said or alluding to there is a a lack of support network that you know sheila from the office that loves smashing the cookies and everyone understand why you're having chicken and chicken salad chicken and broccoli whatever it is but i often think that have like for, for the girls and guys that we prep, having the community is, is huge for them. And I kind of wish that some of the earlier ones had that and mm-hmm. would have perhaps, not that they weren't successful, but would have perhaps even been more successful just having that support network around them. But the difference was at the time, the majority of the people I prepped were in the gym. And I, I, I was in the gym, so it was different. Whereas now, the online community of the, you know, in the female chat, the guy chat, um, you've got girls down in London, girls up in Aberdeen, all able to support each other. And it's, it's awesome to see, but you're 100% right. I think that not letting other people's opinions influence your decision-making. Because the example I'll give was last year, I had a client check in. Um, his name was Andy. This was, wasn't a feeling. He said, oh, I went over my car at the weekend. I was at a barbecue. Oh, I do that. He went, oh, because everybody was telling me, you know, I look good and I'm way ahead of it and I've kind of lost my head. You see that a bit? yeah definitely I think what like I said this to someone the other day so I had a consult call and it's someone who's competing next year and they were speaking about balance and I said balance can be done but it's very unproductive in a certain scenario by the way before anyone starts giving me loads of shit but I mean in a prep scenario balance is going to put you in a worse position and you're not going to look as you could as good as you could so all those little things and other people, you've got to remember, your mates like you regardless. They just don't give a shit about how you look. Yeah. Same with my mum, for example, does not give a shit about bodybuilding. So is she going to, and she doesn't understand it. So you have to have a network around you. Like I'd say, have a good training partner, like me and Vaughn train together, or me and um, Fitch throughout my prep, or my client Scott is a very good training partner. But have someone there that on the days where you are, vacant and you're grinding they're loading your machine they're telling you what you're hitting yeah that's a good thing to have but also you need to have a network where you're speaking to people who are also in the same scenario because if you're and also i would say if you've got a partner it's not fair for them if you just keep moaning about how tired you are and stuff like that because 
they're not prepping. They're not a bodybuilder. They're not a competitor. Yeah. But if you're speaking to someone who is also a competitor, they understand, and you can speak about that. Whereas if you're just annoying everyone else, they do not care, and that's not going to be helpful for you. Yeah, and I think that I had to. I've learned that the hard way over the years. Back in my first prep, pretty much cutting off everyone that wasn't interested in my prep. Um, I wasn't interested in them, um, and probably it took its toll on a lot of say friendships, relationships, or whatnot at the time. But I think that over the years, you like once you've done it once, it's easy to then try and still be the same guy with let's say your partner or get up with your partner but i think the first time it's incredibly difficult because it inevitably it consumes you it even consumes you when you, you're at our sort of level right but we just know that, how to deal with it that's why i think that one of the facts that we've got our our group chats and everything like that like people probably for the most part like a lot of it's just chat about random things but one of my clients is uh, prepping for a photo shoot at the moment and he messaged me the other day and he was asking about uh, his, his sex drive. And he was like, mate, mine just went from here to here. And I was like, dude, it happens. But because he spoke to me about that, what's he then went and done? He spoke to his partner. Look, it's nothing to do with you. It's prep, blah, blah, blah. Now, she's all cool with it. But if you don't understand all those things, it's not just that, sleep. If you're someone who works early mornings, but your sleep's shocking, you need to, if you've got someone to speak to about all this stuff, it takes that burden off of you. It takes that weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Otherwise, you're prepping by yourself. Every little thing that you're not used to is going to weigh you down. And you don't want that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Not something I'd even actually thought to mention, but what I'll always do in that scenario, because with every guy, you tend to get it, I always send them a voice note and I say, before I get into this, let your partner hear this voice note that I'm saying right now. And I explain about, you know, the bodies switching off, um, that sort of sex drive going in because it, it doesn't, you know, not got enough calories to fucking <laughs> walk to the shops, let, let alone have sex. Um, don't quite say it in those words, but they often kind of get that whole, like, sort of, I'm not feeling as worried or stressed about that. Because if you're a guy that's never, never prepped before and all of a sudden that happens, that can be quite alien to you and, and quite worrying at times. But I often say to guys, listen, couple like two three weeks post show post shoot you'll be you'll be absolutely fine but i think one other thing to add that's maybe a bit off topic of what we just said is that uh, well we'll you'll know and any listeners will know that we'll will implement some refeeds or some high days for for clients however how, how often and I, I did this a few years ago you give someone a refeed now rather than sticking to what you've given them they go fucking miles over it. You've put one bagel, they've had three. You've said one Pop-Tart, they've had four. And kind of like, they sort of like binge on that day and trying in secret not tell not tell their coach. Whereas, I always just say, and you preach this as well, just be open and honest and then that way we can kind of go from there. But I'll get your two cents in a sec is that people maybe have this innate fear of they don't want to disappoint their coach, they want to fuck up. Uh, they're maybe a bit guilty or feeling a bit ashamed about that, whereas it's an easy solution to work around, isn't it? Yeah, like, well, for, because we're experienced now, prior, I, like, if someone, I, I probably couldn't tell if someone had been messing up at that stage in prep. But now, if I know someone's messed up, I can tell. But what you've got to remember from a coaching aspect, or if you are, are a client of ours, we are pretty much just data analysts. Like, that moment you check in, it's not that you're not a person anymore, but I'm analysing your photos. I'm analysing your data. Everything we do is to help you get to your goal. So there will be, in your first prep, there will be times that you struggle. But the clients I personally feel who reach out to you, let you know what's happening straight away, you can help with that. If you don't let that out and then three weeks later you tell your coach, it's not that helpful. And As Vaughn says, our job is to be proud of our service and our clients. It's not to, like, I fucked up on a diet before. I know what it's like. So the experience we've got will help with that. So I think with a lot of clients or a lot of competitors I speak to, they're scared to, as you say, disappoint their coach. But what you've got to remember is, your coach is there to help you. And it, it can be a real hard one because everyone has different struggles when they do prep or when you get to that level of leanness. Yeah, I think 
when this is an example from a couple of weeks ago, she's probably listening. Uh, I got a message from a client who uh, it happened a couple of weeks in a row. They'd said about how they'd overeaten. They at the time they didn't feel like they were being themselves, and it was like like they were someone else. And then they started worrying about continuing. When I jumped on the phone, like straight away as a coach, I'm always like, let's jump on the phone and speak about it because at the time she was thinking about stop prepping. And I was said, right, let's I like you. Let's logically break it down on why you're thinking like this. Number one, she'd set unrealistic expectations of how she thought she should look at this point. And I went, have you? I went, is this the best you've ever looked in your life in your adult life? She went, yeah. I went, cool. Shut up, because <laughs> because because you don't know. You shouldn't be going in with any expectations. Number two, she was constantly comparing herself to others on Instagram, to you know. Giddle down south, it's been competing for five years. Giddle up north, four years, etc. First time doing a photo shoot. And then number three, like you mentioned earlier, had no one around her, hadn't told anyone about it, that she was prepping and had support. And I was like, you do realise that you're in a group chat with about 50 women and you can reach out to them at any point. She went, oh yeah. But those three things we found were the logical reason why she had thought, had that, ah, oh, well, fuck it moment in went over a calories, had some, some cookies or or whatever it is. So I was just adding that in as a simple solution to anyone that's felt like, you know, she told me straight away, but rather rather than give up on it, think, actually, here's the logical way of why it happened. you got anything to add? Yeah, well, you've actually just nailed it there. But something I think is, so, one, competing is a very short-lived career because most people compete once, they get pissed off, they don't win, and they go to the pub and dominoes for the rest of their life. But the reason that is, so not many first-time competitors win. It's like, it doesn't happen that often. I've had a couple, you've had a couple, but it doesn't happen that often. Me and Vaughn are case in points for that. Your first prep, you are getting in the best shape you have ever gotten. From there, you are building your physique. So how I looked six years ago is not how I look now. It's a constant progression. and. If you can take the that away and enjoy your prep, obviously it'll be hard, but you should be just looking at it like you have accomplished something you never thought you would, not looking at it. For example, I can go on Instagram right now and in 30 seconds find 15 guys that are bigger than me and in better shape because that's life. There's also 15 guys with more money than me and more cars. It's not productive. You have to look at it like you are just bettering yourself and as Vaughn says, when you go into the logical standpoint of it, it makes it so much easier. Yeah, 100%. I think if we were to, to talk about guys in general, uh, a lot of the points we've discussed have been to do with guys and girls, but if you talk about like assisted guys, and I think back to me in 2017, take far too much gear, way too much gear than they actually need, um, just simply because they are, you know, it's like blind leading blind. Um, I'm not saying that anyone out there is, you know, we're not necessarily medically qualified to, to give advice, but, um, you know, we can talk about things in the hypothetical and, and whatnot. Um, but if I think back to 2017, I was on way too much gear. Like, not, like I, I take less now <laughs> than I did back then. But um, it always seems to be, not not with all of them, but you'll get the keen beans They'll be like, oh, what drug? Do we, what drug are we going to add in next? What drug are we add next? Oh, should we add in that drug because it's going to be, it's going to help me do the X, Y, and Z? And I'm always like, if it's your first prep, and you're not that big, it's not about the drugs. Do you agree? Yeah, well, it's that that statement, like the minimal effective dose, like it's the same with training. Like it's not. If you do want to go down that path, um, and obviously, as Vaughn said, we are not medically trained, but we can advise or we have anecdotal experience. People go from like being some natural guy that competed last year and didn't do that well, mainly because they didn't have enough tissue and they might not have been the best at dieting. And they go, well, I know why I didn't win. It's because I didn't take loads of gear. And then they start taking more than some guy who weighs 20 kilos more than them and then get to the next show and then go, oh, wait, I still can't diet. They've not looked at the things they're not good at. They've just looked at, I think if I do this, this will make me better and it's not as simple as that and I think that and another thing I would say happens a lot with guys I don't think it happens so much with females as you diet there is going to be movements that are going to take a hit and the amount of times I see people in prep 
that are 10 kilos lighter, so there's your case in point, you're 10 kilos lighter, you have no stabilized, your stability's gone, and you're still trying to press what you did 10 kilos ago, but you're doing this, like, you have to look at your logbook as we're trying to maintain tissue, but you have to be, like, very smart with how you look at it. Yeah, and we're all we've all been guilty of that. There, the, I think there comes a time if you're a seasoned competitor, it's easy enough to maintain those lifts and at times accept a small drop. But as a newbie, because obviously, like we'll we'll preach progressive overload quite a lot, and um, they want to continue to get stronger, and, and of course they should. But there is going to come a time where if a movement starts to look like something completely different then you've got to take the load down a little bit and focus more on execution. However, I have noticed that in in natural females, they have an ability to maintain their strength really across the board, minus maybe push. For, yeah, or maybe squat, squats, maybe where there's a little bit of load through the lumbar. But If it's like a barbell squat, yeah. But I think what I find is like if it's machine-based, they're fine. Uh, the natty guys, it'll just be push. Everything else tends to hold. Then for us assisted guys, fuck you. Usually you can get stronger the whole time. Or your, your logbook is a is a tool, but also so is your mindset. I think so many people go, I'm lighter, so I'm weaker, and then they just start naturally dropping down weight. It's not as simple as that. Like I seen Vaughn hit a a PB on a widowmaker on a hack squat two weeks out. Now not everyone's going to do that, but yeah. If there's a will, there's a way. You have to be very so. As like, if movements look like shit, yeah, drop them. But don't just drop a movement because you go in the gym and you go, oh, I'm two kilos lighter this month. I need to go lighter. It's not as simple as that. Yeah, and no, that's a, that's a really good point. So, I guess if we've if we've spoken about a lot of the mistakes that we've perhaps seen competitors make, um, we should really kind of go on to what what they could do to set themselves up for a successful prep in 2021 or maybe perhaps some people that are just getting started in the journey it's going to be 2022 um so if, i mean for me i'll always say to not overcomplicate the process because it's if you don't have a coach it's easy enough to do so but i guess my first point of advice for someone is to is to get a coach it doesn't necessarily need to be us but it's got to be someone that you click with because without that accountability i mean it's easy to go off plan how easy is it for some clients that are getting coached to go off plan mm. very very yeah. easy right so i think that when a client comes on board and you'll do the same is when you can say right we're going to take you from where you're at right now we're going to push you up to we're going to put on eight you know six six seven kilos in six months we're going to come back down recomp here push back up it, it sort of it breaks the process down opposed to going oh shit i've got a year and a half that's ages away and before they know it it's they're they're four months out it's a case of right like you did with magda break it down to push calories up here pull them down there so my first piece of advice is to get a coach what would yours be well it's exactly that isn't it because i think what you said there is a prime example say someone says right i'm competing next september and that's their only thought whereas if i looked at that it would be right you're competing next september here's where we need to be and now let's break down every stage to get you there and it has to be that like you speak about it all the time with me without a plan i'm shocking like that goes for business training like i'm that annoying guy who's asking bomb what we're doing here but it's because a plan is what guides you there and yeah. The other one, starting with a coach early, I hate to tell people this, but it's very, very easy to let yourself down for the majority of the population. If it wasn't, the whole population would be where they want to be. And having a coach, having that accountability and also investing money is going to help you stick to the plan better. So a plan and starting early are massive, massive. It can also unconfuse the process because there is so many different training modalities you know reps and reserve this and next and if a coach comes around just like Carl's done with you and he's going to do with me shortly and says right boom follow that you just go into just robot mode like cool I've got Smith up next after that I've got V squat cool right after that I've got leg press that's my rep range and all you need to then focus on is 
weights on, weights on, weights on. And then it's up to the coach to decide, right, I always say this to clients, like, we'll run the same program for a long time and we'll always assess the photographs to say, right, is the current volume program split having the desired effect? Let's say, for example, like many bikini girls, they need to bring up their glutes. And maybe they're training, like, legs maybe almost three times a week maybe two and a half effectively right after a while is that bringing up yeah it's cool keep going keep going keep going it might be that i use uh, laura brand as an example um when this was pre-covid first eight weeks of our program massive response from glutes and hamstrings but quads not quite the same so what do we do we added two sets of quad across the week what happened quads start to respond so I just wanted to give that as an example of that, yeah, basic programming works, but how it needs to be a bit more personal as well. I think, like, with competitors or first-time competitors, things they need to do, and the reason for hiring a coach is so simple, because all your emotional attachment to things you do is going to slow you down. And what I mean by this is, now, if you look at my physique, my legs are pretty developed. My arms are not pretty developed. Why is that? I love chain legs. I hate chain arms. Now, I done my own programming last year and the year before. So guess what I did not put in? Arms. What happened as soon as I start working with Kyle? There's loads of arms in. And that's the same with your training. If you're trying to do it yourself, all the decisions you make are going to be led by emotions, which there's not anything wrong with. But your coach looks at it logically. And as Vaughn says, we give you... Every client will be coached differently because some people will come in and their like, level of knowledge on the subjects way up here. It needs to be what works for you. Yeah. If there's a client who does not understand anything about calories, you're not speaking about micronutrients. And that's what can happen. People get really confused because they're looking at one person's prep and another person's prep where what they're missing is it's just following the plan. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think... In any plan, one thing that gets massively overlooked is posing. And, you know, me and you, you and me, it's a bit of a different story. But first time competitors, they, they're like, hey, I want to compete this year. It's, say it's maybe January. I want to compete in, in, in April or May. And I go, cool, send me, a, you know, send me some photos of the mandatory quarter turns. They go, what's that? And you go, what? <laughs> what, what do you mean, what's that? Um, and they start to learn posing as they started prep. And I always just say, whoa, hold up. I'm always like, bef- like, you should try and learn to pose the year before you want to compete. Because by the time prep comes around, you're already a fucking, you're not a pro, but you can get in and out the movements and the positions just fine. As a coach, it's, it's, an, it's a nightmare when someone's started prepping and they've started learning posing. The checking photos are to- totally different. One week they... It, you know, the arm's up here, the next week it's down there, the glute's hitched up, it's down. Whereas, I guess when you think of how nervous people will be before their first show, I always say, if you learn it a year before, yeah, okay, you're still going to be nervous, but you're going to be so much more confident in your ability to go up and, you know, if it's females, flick your hair, drop your shoulders, guys, you know, do your T-walk or your routine and, and not fuck up. What do you think? That's, yeah, I think it's something that definitely needs done, like learning posing posing early um, and you can see it as well but it's the reason I think it's so important from a perspective of say you've just started or you're in a gaining phase there's times that you might not feel that good if I just stand normal I don't look that great as soon as I flare my lats and I go in a position I think fuck I look good or I look better and all those things will help you plus if you know how to spread your lats when you train your lats you can contract them more all or for guys, like, how many times you get a check-in photo and someone's trying to tense their quads, but they don't know how to actually do it? Yeah. So then, if you improve that, guess what's going to happen when you go on a leg extension? I think they work, everything has to work in tandem. It's not just how you diet, how you train. It's how you do everything combined. Yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> I still remember when uh, Joe Parrish was trying, yeah. he taught me how to spread my lats. And uh, if you're watching, on, you're watching on YouTube, the first time I tried to do it, I just went like that. Because <laughs> you went, bring your shoulders forward. I just went, boom. Uh, and it, it, like when you get it, it's amazing how much more, you're right, you connect in the gym than you do just without it. But it took, <laughs> it took me literally 
two weeks of trying to do it before it was like, because cause now when clients tell me, oh, I can't spread my lats, I'm always a bit like, what? But then I think back to, oh shit, I couldn't really do it at one point. And I think people often forget when they'll look at you, me or anyone else that's been doing it a long time that we were once in their shoes as well and made the same mistakes. I, th- I think what can happen with posing, and I always explain this to people, people roughly know how to train and they roughly know how to chart calories. They might need help with it, but they roughly know how to do it. Posing is an unknown. So it's scary. Like if you, for most people, if you said to them, just if you're sitting in a room and you said, go get up there and dance by yourself, most people wouldn't do it. And it's the same with posing. I think a lot of people put it off because they're like, oh, that's scary. I'm not going to be good at it. But like, so Vaughn said before we started recording, uh, my photo shoot shots just came back and he went, that's the best your abs have looked. I have not trained abs. I just learned how to vacuum. Now, I could not teach myself to do that. So I'd pay the yoga teacher to teach me. Like, there's nothing wrong with not being good at something. Like, I've got new movements in my rotation that I'm not that great at, but in six months it will be. So see it as a challenge, not as being scared, like, oh my God. Yeah, for anyone listening, Ali actually has a secret hobby of yoga. Um, he likes to do it with pink ribbons in his hair. Um, I wish I did yoga. I might, I might not be so injured. <laughs> but on top of posing, one thing that I get every single year or every single new season is, um, you know, people want to come on board, compete, and I'll say, cool, which federation do you want to do? Then they go, how many are there? What is like? What are they? Which ones are there? And I will say, there's so many different ones that perhaps have so many different, cri- like different criteria of the same class or different poses. Like you look at PCA and I and Tubros, completely different in bikini, right? Um. So I, my suggestion was going to be to to those looking to compete is, have a discussion with your coach when you are say a year, year and a half away what federation do you think would be best suited to? But maybe going along to some shows and just seeing how is that show run? How does it look? What do the girls look like, you know, on stage? How do you, how do you like that presentation? Personally, I favour the IFBB style posing. I think that um, it just, just looks a bit better, but um, too often. But it's, for us, we'll always work with, you know, our target audience will be, you know, your first time competitors, but... It's all right not knowing, but do you think that people just don't do enough research or is there too much, oh, I'll just do PC and that's it? 100%. Like, I actually have a client um, who I won't say who they are, but they have competed before and that was with a different coach. And when I, I took them on, I was like, perfect, send through everything. And I was like, send your posing routine. Didn't know their posing routine. And I think this happens a lot more than you would think. We are... People love the idea of competing, but they don't understand that there's a lot more to it than that. Like, yeah. how many times do people say they want to compete and you're getting them lean and they go, whoa, bikinis are really expensive. And I'm like, yeah, something you could have looked at a while ago. Like, everything is exactly what was said about the plan and you're breaking it down from where you need to be and breaking it down. You need to look at the whole scenario because some people only want to compete with UKUP because they love their posing style. Some people only want to compete with the PCA, but if you're not built for the PCA, going on stage with them just because you like the posing, is it going to be a good idea? No. So it, you need to take as much information as you can. Yeah, 100%. And I'll be honest, like back in the day, I didn't know what federations they were. I was just like, I think at the time, it was when it was when UKBFF was kind of coming to its... Uh, it's not ended by any means, but its popularity was, was swiftly decreasing. You know, two year, a year and a half before, I was like, I'm doing UKBFF, just because I knew one guy that had done UKBFF. Yeah. And Joe was like, oh, you should try this trial. I was like, no, no, I'm just doing the one, and that's it. So I guess that, I'd, like, what I should have done at the time was two or three shows, but my other piece of advice on top of everything is to to do two or three. And, the, like, if you can afford it, you know, and that's I guess a plug here is go listen to the podcast where I talk about the the price of competing, which is episode twenty one, twenty two. I need to check that, but um, I would say, and I say this to many beginners, I say right, do your research, pick your main federation. Let's say it's two bros or whatever. Um, month before it, let's do a warm up show, 
if it's your very first time, let's let's maybe do a let's do a regional, but let's do a regional that's not going to be too busy. So kind of quiet. One that we can just. Our main goal is to get stage presence, stage time. Then you pick a second one that's got a little bit more, a little bit bigger, a little bit more of importance to you. And um, by that point, the second time you're so much more confident. You're inside the stage, being like, right, you know, let's do it. You're going to improve on what you've done before because maybe you, you didn't fall over, but maybe you didn't put your hand in a certain place that first time. And the third time you're just at the, at the side of the stage, being like, right, fuck, call my number, let me come out, let's fucking get it. But I guess that confidence is probably learned over time, whereas. I just feel it's now at times could be a bit, not a waste, but just doing the one show when you get that lean um, seems to me like it is a little bit of a waste if you're not doing another show or at least a photo shoot. Do you agree? Yeah, 100%. Because the thing is with competing as well, it can be, and this isn't to put anyone off, but you've got to remember, you get up there, there's not there's three judges Sometimes that can be preference. So you could go on stage and look, literally everyone in the crowd's going, they've won. And the judges just think, that's not what we're looking for. They've had a team meeting beforehand and they want something that looks different. That does not mean you're not in sick shape. It just means that that's happened. And competing more than once as well, well, for the for perhaps for the next time you compete, you know what federation you like, you know what you're suited to more. And... You enjoy it more. The first time, you're very nervous. It's hard to enjoy something when you're, like, unsure of what to think about. I've got a plug as well, actually, because I've done a first-time females competitor vlog. I've done it right at the start of lockdown. It's way back on the vlogs. But I went through all the things that you need to take into consideration to compete um, for females. So yeah. that will be helpful for you. 100%. Man, I, I don't know how many pieces of content there is across all the platforms that we have about advice for competing or whatnot, but now just seemed like a perfect time to 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 do it with the fact that shows are going ahead now when they weren't for for so long. And next year we would hope that all the shows will go ahead. Not not necessarily normal um like they normally would, but at least we'll get a chance to compete. I think what you said about the judges having a desired look is so important. And I had this discussion with um, one of the new girls that just came on board. She's competed this past weekend. And she couldn't understand why some of the girls that placed below her, she won the British Masters title, um, looked a bit harder and had more visible abs. And I went, well, the fact is they were not in the criteria that the judges wanted. I went, you don't need to have six-pack abs and be hard for a, to be a bikini competitor. And I said, it just meant that you fit. And then she was like, but but Vaughn, when I did the open class, you know, and it was a different scenario, she thought she would be in about the mix, and she wasn't. And I said, well, right, how did the girls in open class look? And she went, they were all a bit taller than me and a bit skinnier than me. And I went, so you were the odd one out. And she went, what? And I went, it's a lot of averages. I gave her my scenario back in 2017. I was the biggest guy out of four. They placed me last, and they favoured the skinnier guys. So for her... Yeah, the girls that went, the girls that won our open class were a little bit skinnier than her, not as much tissue. So, what you said, huge, huge importance because people can be in the best shape of their life, they don't place, and they feel like the world is over. Their self worth is zero. They think they look fucking shit, when in fact it's the best they've ever looked in their life, and it can be like quite demoralizing for people if all they want is a medal. Opposed to thinking, as you said, right at the start, it's not about placing in your first show. I I came dead last, effectively, in my first show. The the big thing with that is that and, and me and myself and my, my client Matt spoke about this on a live the other week, but you should be always proud of your accomplishments. And what I this is the probably the best advice I could give for a first time competitor, because I see it all the time. They just go through it in a blur and then they compete and then they disappear and then they don't reverse diet well and they don't ever give themselves a pat on the back as like we are the same where you have to be really happy with what you've achieved but also want to achieve more there's nothing wrong with that but see the amount of times that people don't absorb it and they don't even give themselves credit for the hard work they put in that's something you need to do because you can't be judging yourself worth on a 
trophy or an Instagram like. It's yeah. got to be how you feel. You should be accomplished. Yeah, and that's the thing. I guess the more people compete, the the higher chances of them winning. You know, you mentioned Kuba earlier on the podcast. On the podcast I done with him, God, twenty episodes ago or whatever. I think he said that you know, placing is a form of progression. The more you compete, like you're more than likely the more you compete over the years. If you if you improve and you actually have proper structured off seasons, you're more than likely going to place eventually. But it's not putting everything down to the be all end all and turning up and realizing that you know, if you're a guy and you're doing bodybuilding, that three guys turn up that are way more jacked than you that have been doing it for five more years than you. It just the way it is. You might turn up to a different show, barely any guys show up, or you do a little bit better. But um, I think that would probably be a good, a good spot to to end to end there. However, I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering. They say, Ali, when when is your OnlyFans account getting started? When's that coming out? So, give the listeners an idea of when that's coming out, um, where they can where where they can get in touch with you if they don't already know you. If, if you were stupid enough to pay me money for OnlyFans, <laughs> you need to get yourself sorted out. And where you can find me is on the VW Physique website. You can see all of our stuff there. On my Instagram, which is aliburge underscore VW Physique, um, or the YouTube channel, which, again, is just the VW Physique one. All our stuff gets combined across. So um, on my Instagram, anyone who's got any questions, please just drop me a DM. I will get back to everyone. Um for anyone as well listening that does know I am type 1 diabetic, I've been getting quite a lot of questions about that, so please feel free to fire away, and we are always there. Also, as a brand, Vaughn will be telling you, but we've got a lot of stuff coming up, so please stay tuned to all of our Instagrams to see some really cool things that we've got in the in the pipeline. Yeah, superb. I didn't even, I always, I just assumed at the start of the podcast, people would know that, you know, you are part of Real Physique and you're under the brand, but yeah, maybe you should have, <laughs> maybe you should have said that at the start for any new listeners, but I'm sure by now they've went on the website, they've checked you out. Um, you're going to see a bit different personalities with me and Ali's vlogs. Completely different probably. Ali's a bit more laid back and blasé, um, whereas I'm a bit more at times monotonous <laughs> with that sort of things. But no, man, listen, cracking input, um, I think that a lot of listeners will get huge knowledge bombs uh, maybe not huge knowledge bombs, but they're certainly going to get a lot of things that they maybe haven't thought about from, admittedly, our mistakes, but also observations over the years. Um, so if you're listening, if you are in Scotland, I hope that you've enjoyed the past couple of weeks of the gym's been open. If you're in England or elsewhere across the world um, in the UK, continue to do the do. Uh, but for me and Ali, give it the beans. <laughs>